This talk is offered by Ordinary Mind Zendo. Ordinary Mind was founded by Barry Magid, Dharma heir of Charlotte Joko Beck, and is dedicated to her vision of a psychologically minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of American students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. This afternoon, our study group will begin looking into Joko Beck's Everyday Zen, which famously begins by saying, my dog doesn't worry about the meaning of life as long as she gets enough food and a little bit of affection she has no problems. But we, with our self-centered minds, make things difficult. And so right away we're confronted with a metaphor of a certain kind of um, simplicity or simple life that we have to decide what are we going to make of this idea of comparing ourselves to, to a dog, right? Is, is this the kind of simplicity we're aspiring to? A little bit of affection, enough to eat, what's the trouble? Everything else is uh, just a lot of fussiness. Of course, when we talk even about a simple thing like the dog's life and Joko does um, we're not talking about a dog in isolation we're talking about a dog who is someone's pet rather than a dog that's roaming the streets uh, a dog that's presumably been trained to some way or another has a is domesticated and is part of a household and probably non-trivially a dog that has been neutered Sometimes in Zen we also uh, hear metaphors of uh, childlike simplicity, right? Another picture of what it would be like to have a simple and direct experience of life moment after moment, just like a child. Well, as I walked to the Zendo this morning, there were a couple of parents wheeling a kid in a stroller all down the block, the kid goes, and whining and moaning and right? childlike simplicity. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so we always have to be very careful about what, um, how we get attracted to and beguiled by metaphors. Uh, particularly metaphors of uh, simplicity uh, or directness. Uh, because it means that we, one way or another, imagine that this practice is going to be about not coming to terms with the complexity of our mind and life, 
but somehow restructuring our mind and life so that they will be uh, simple. And many people will uh, imagine a literal kind of enactment of that simplicity takes place in a monastery. Uh, Again, ignoring the fact that monasteries can be enormously complicated places. We so often in these, when we create an image like that, of whether, whether it's the, the dog, the child, the monk, what we're doing is picking out one dimension and trying to make that the real thing that we're going to aim for. And beyond that, we ignore the whole context in which this supposedly simple thing exists, uh, which it's dependent on and supported by. I'd like to read a little passage uh, in that spirit from a new novel uh, by J.M. Katsia, called The Childhood of Jesus. And it's a um, somewhat Kafka-esque parable of the afterlife. Um, We're introduced to a world in which people arrive more or less out of nowhere, their memories washed clean, their previous life uh, brought by boat to a some kind of induction center where they are given a new name. Everyone learns rudimentary Spanish and they are assigned a new life which in this world uh, is one of great um, simplicity. Everyone does um, hard but meaningful manual labor, something like uh, unloading uh, big bags of grain from a ship that's going to be used to make uh, bread. And bread is pretty much literally the staff of life. It's the main staple of everybody's diet. And there's um, very little... Uh, in the way of variety, but everybody is well fed. Uh, There's very little in the way of uneven distribution of goods or housing or anything like that. Everyone lives a very Spartan life, but has enough. There's very little to be competitive over or jealous about. There's nothing to uh, particularly to envy in your neighbor's lot. Um, everyone seems to have been inculcated with an attitude of goodwill to one another. Uh, the new arrivals are struck by how everyone is cheerful, greets them uh, in, a, in a friendly kind of way, is as helpful as they can. Um, there seems to be very little anger 
uh, as I say, very little competitiveness. Uh, but there's also very little to strive for uh, and uh, very little that uh, might count as passion. Um, people seem to occasionally engage in friendly sexual activities, but no one seems to be driven by uh, passionate desire. And um, the protagonist uh, of the story, there, there's two, there's sort of a father and a son figure. Um, there is no one in the story named Jesus. There's a little boy named David who is somewhat odd and a misfit here in the story. will deal with how he doesn't quite fit in. But the father figure also um, doesn't quite know what to make of um, what is being presented more or less as a utopia, a stripped-down utopia. Uh, he's, he lives with a woman who has another son his boy's age, um, and they cohabit in a friendly way. Uh, but he, at some point... Uh, expresses some dissatisfaction with this arrangement and says to her that he misses uh, uh, passion in his life and is thinking about wanting to see other women. And so, um, having expressed that to her, this is... um, her response to him. I'm going to put in words something I was hoping you would come to understand by yourself. You want to see another woman because I do not provide what you feel you need, namely storms of passion. Friendship by itself is not good enough for you. Without the accompaniment of storms of passion, It is somehow deficient. To my ear, that is an old way of thinking. In the old way of thinking, no matter how much you may have, there's always something missing. The name you choose to give this something more is that it's missing in passion. Yet I'm willing to bet that if tomorrow you are offered all the passion you wanted, passion by the bucketful, you'd promptly find something new to miss, to lack. This endless dissatisfaction, this yearning for something more that is missing, is a way of thinking we're well rid of, in my opinion. Nothing is missing. Nothing that you think is... The nothing that you think is missing is an illusion. You are living by an illusion. Very nice little Dharma talk, wouldn't you say? What's wrong with this picture? 